Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is the Late Mail edition for round 11. You're here with Catfish as always and unfortunately again, no more Wackers Whispers. He is still unavailable. Fingers crossed next week, but yeah, it's just going to be whenever he's free. Uh, As always, make sure you do check out the Late Mail from various sources. You've got the Lake Mail from the NRLC Talk website. You've got obviously Timmy Williams from the SE Playbook doing the daily Telegraph, uh, Late Mail, and also there's also the Fox Sports or the NRL.com Late Mail as well. There's plenty of sources out there. I try to read them all whenever I can't get Wacko's Whispers and just try to kind of piece together where they do have some overlaps and where they don't. At the end of the day, you got to check those final team lists. That's where ultimately you won't get that final bit of mail. There's a lot floating about, you know, flu is driving people crazy. Uh, I think the Raiders have up to eight people, uh, eight players in doubt. The Bulldogs have been struck down. We already heard that Adder Carr's been ruled out. Matty Burton apparently trained uh, at the captain's run, so... Yeah, still a lot of things floating about there. We've just found out Adam Reynolds has been ruled out due to his groin injury. Ezra Mam set for a debut. Lots of lots of exciting things, but yeah, you got to check out that late mail. But as always, um, due to not having Wacko's Whispers, means that we do have a bit more time for uh, your questions from the Champs Discord and also from Twitter, so let's jump straight into them now. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right, starting off with a question from one of our good champs, both in the champs Discord and also on Twitter. He just can't get enough of asking about Isaiah Papali'i. Did tell him to wait a little bit to ask this one, but yeah. So for us, firstly, asking for a friend, can you win Supercoach without IPAP? I'd have to say no, judging by this year. So you got to get him uh, and. The other question he asks is, is Tedesco to IPAP sideways this week? And I actually don't think that is sideways, given I mean, neither of them are going to play around 13, and there is a question mark if Teddy backs up or not. I mean, expect him to, but there is technically a question mark there, and IPAP will definitely help with round 17, barring injury or suspension, whereas Teddy, you know, is going to miss that week as well. So definitely no issues with that. Teddy's break-even around 50, really tough matchup. There's no, I would not be surprised at all if Isaiah Papali'i uh, comfortably outscores Teddy this week. So I'd pull that trigger on that trade for sure. Still in the champs discord. Uh, kind of, we talked about this for a little bit, but Reese uh, asked, when will it be possible to save trades and how many will be ideal for the run home? So honestly, this week is a pretty good week to save trades because it looks like there's going to be at least one or two options for next week that you might want to burn the trade on, another trade on. And, you know, how many will be ideal for the run home? That question does depend how many origin stars you're going to hang on to over this origin and buy period. I think if you can hang on to the majority of the, the key guns, you know, your Clearies and your Munsters, Grants, those types of guys, then it could be quite possible to maybe run home with, like, less trades, I guess you could say, because you're not having to burn as many post-origin to fix your team up, basically. So... If you, you know, cop one or two less players over the buy periods, but it means you hold on to your origin guns, then you might be able to, yeah. I mean, ideally, you want to have at least two or three trades for the last couple of rounds. Realistically, most of the time I'm out by around 23, 22 sometimes as well. So I'd like to come out of round 18, perhaps with at least eight left, but that seems ambitious at times. And 
especially with the trade boosting going on and all that type of stuff. And technically we had five more trades as well. So yeah, hard to see how that's going to go. I will try to provide an update as we go uh, later in the season as well. Now, Ross, uh, coach of Slippery Balls, asked, what situation would justify selling Turbo? Now, I genuinely do think if, I mean, one, you your gut says the Seagulls are trash and even Turbo can't save them. I'd sell them if that's the case. Uh, two, if he's actually injured so far that, you know, he, he's not going to be able to perform. Now, my question to you is, you obviously saw enough when you traded him in um, that you weren't so concerned about his injury, right? Because he had that first game back, played against the Tigers. I mean, some people went sight unseen on him that round, uh, which I thought was pretty bold. But, you know, it wasn't the worst score to come out of that. But obviously the week after... Now, from my perspective, I do believe it was to Cork. Uh, there's been a lot said about it. He can see he limped and favoured the, the the actual knee that he was um, supposedly struggling with, you know. So he was actually, you know, limping on the Cork leg and, and actually favouring the, the leg, which was the concern with the MCL. So that says to me that his knee is not the concern here. Now, whether or not the Cork led to him hurting the knee in any other way, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you but I'm backing him to be healthy. So that's just my opinion. Um, obviously, if you're not on board with that, you do want to get rid of him. I totally get that. I don't have an issue. If you have lost faith in Turbo, then sell him before he leaks any more cash. But that's not where I'm at at the moment, basically. <laughs> Graham Z says, should I use a boost to get Milford into my side? Even I will say no to that, <laughs> all right? Uh, Spicy Boys asks, is David Clement a must-have? Now, I would say no, he's not a must-have. I, you know, I know this comment's a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, shout out to Andy Fenno there. But look, Clemmer, he has gone really well the last few weeks. Minutes been up, work rate absolutely fantastic. But let's keep in mind, Kurt Mann's been out, so that's one of the reasons the minutes have been up. Two, uh, Tyson Frizzell also been out. Barnett also out for some of that time. Obviously, he's back now. But, but yeah, like those three alone are going to dig into Clemmer's minutes. So I feel like he missed a boat. You're probably paying overs to get him now. Whereas, you know, three, four weeks ago would have been perfect. Another tongue-in-cheek comment here from Justin. He asked about the Great Wall, a.k.a. Luke Garner, the greatest defensive centre in, in, in the NRL. Uh, look, he is apparently going to get dual position, but uh, th- there's some rumours coming out of the Tigers this week where he might actually play uh, back row because of adjustments. I mean, I think Wacko tweeted out about Tui Lange apparently going to start on the right edge instead of the left edge where he's been recently. Garner, does he stay on the left edge? Is he swapping Lucy over? Is that what's going on? Is Lucy out as well? All these questions and not enough answers. I mean, Naden's playing left centre, so that we know that's not where Garner's going to be. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, look, if he's dual position, then there are worst options given he's pretty cheap and affordable. And, you know, if he's playing, got to play big minutes on an edge, then I think, you know, the way the season's going, like you and Aitken and both firm are both very relevant this year. So... <laughs> Why not? Why not the Great Wall himself? <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump over to Twitter for a bit. So then next questions. Uh, this one comes from Jack Bauer at Mr. Horse NZ. Hey, Wolf, is Jing to McInnes sideways? I already have Cotter and liking McInnes for the duel in case Cotter makes and gets rested after origin. With the Finucane injury, wondering on McInnes minutes and best to go now or wait till round 14. Honestly, I'm fine to move Josh King on. He's been very good. Uh, those who persevered and held got rewarded with a couple of more Good scores there, but Tui Kamikamitha is back and he's definitely 
starting to increase his game time as he builds his match fitness. I mean, it, it's really good for the Storm to have him back, especially when they've now lost Nelson for a little bit due to his injury. But uh, I think ultimately Josh King's minutes will be capped a little. Maybe his work rate increases, but he's a pretty nice price. They're good to be moved on. I don't think he's going to be a season-long hold, and you know you might as well try to get him out at peak price. Now, whether you get McInnes, I think McInnes is fine. He's a decent price. That duel with Cotter will be super handy, so I do like that for your team. In terms of his minutes, like you, you saw when Fanukum was out, he played 54 minutes one week as a starting lock and then 72 um, the round eight afterwards, but there was, I think, an additional HIA for Teague Wilton or something like that, so there was a few other question marks there. It seems like Fanukum will miss at least four to six weeks for the MCL or knee injury he suffered when he got knocked out, but then there's still a question mark. Does he miss more time? because the, the Sharks are going to want to manage his concussion history. I mean, I think this is the fourth uh, failed HIA he's had since the last 10 months, so that's quite a high number, unfortunately, poor guy. So, yeah, there's a chance that Finucane might be out for an extended period outside of the knee injury as well. So, look, like I said, I think McInnes is fine. He could easily average 60. I don't think his minutes will go much bigger than, like, 60 to 65, and, you know, what we've seen so far, like, he's probably going to average around 60 to 65 or thereabouts. So, you know, great, very handy. I don't know if he's, like, a game-breaking option for you because, like, let's face it, 60 to 65 doesn't quite give you the upside that you need. Uh, you want McInnes playing 80 to really be that premium gun that he was a couple of years ago in 2020. But, look, he's going to do a, jo- a good job for you, I think. I'm pretty comfortable with him as an option. So no issues with that. Um, guards at S guards 91 says want to get rid of Starling as his minutes seem to be reducing Robson or McInnes the better play or do I just leave Starling as neither will come into my 17 anyway so firstly if you are trading like Starling out but you're not going to get like whoever you're replacing with doesn't end up playing I'm not sure that's a, a relevant play now Starling obviously look I, I must I have Starling in my team it's been frustrating too and I just wanted to point out like just because he's now, you know, got more competition for minutes, it's not the end of the world, really. You look at him earlier in the season, he was coming off the bench and sharing game time, you know, 57, 55, 58 minutes. He had two 80-minute games, which was great. Then he had 65 minutes, 63, 58, and 51. So 63, 58, that was Adam Elliott, and then 51 was with Zach Wolford, obviously, not ideal there, but I think when he played the 51 minutes, his work rate increased and he got one attacking stat as well. So he ended up scoring not too different from previous weeks. So I'm not too worried, honestly. Like, this is kind of where Starling was mostly. I've always expected him to be around that 55, 60 average. Um, you know, getting minute, 80 minutes is great. It just means he's on the field, more opportunity for attacking stats. But realistically, it's not the end of a world. Like, I, I think he can easily float around this average for a while. Uh, to me, I think, you know, holding him till around... 13, having him cover that round and, and then moving him on to a McInnes is a perfectly viable strategy as well. I don't think McInnes is going to explode price-wise, so it wouldn't be too much of an upgrade to get from one to the other after he covers the round 13 buy for you. Now, if you were going Robson, then I get that. And and Robson's great. Like He's been really playing, I think, 68 average for the last three rounds, playing 80 minutes. My question is, is when does that stop? You know, Does Peyton persevere with this kind of outside back on the bench Um you know, rotation, is he really going to keep Hamiso there for the indefinite future? Like, this is an origin outside back, you know. He played very well for Queensland last year, and, you know, maybe he's not the best 
uh, fullback for the Cowboys with what they have now. Like maybe Drinkwater is the better option there for him. But, you know, Hammer can play center. I kind of feel like the ceiling for Hammer is much higher than what we have for Hiku. So does Hiku move into the 14 role later? And if that's the case, then that's fine. Robson will be fine. But there is a world here where uh, Granville makes his way back onto the bench somehow and then Robson's uh, value takes a hit. So, like, I'm fine with it now. If you do really, if, if Starling being benched all the time is really frustrating for you, then, you know, get rid of that frustration. Get him to Robson. I don't have an issue with that. But otherwise, I'd probably hold and then look at McInnes post round 13. That's for me personally. Now, uh, Joshua Joshua Duff 15 says, I'm thinking saving trades this week because I don't see any massive must-haves to get in and saving a few more for the state of origin period. So for context, he's currently got 25 trades and three boosts left. That's pretty good. Um, is there any must-haves I should consider? Well, I, you know, I'd never really subscribe to the must-have uh, argument, but there are some guys who obviously have been really performing and, and it's hurt uh, teams that don't have them. Obviously, Isaiah Papali'i, specifically last week was the killer killer if you didn't have him but you know harry grant cam munster nathan cleary nico hines all these guys are just absolutely flying and you know all the high ranking teams have them uh now in terms of fullbacks yeah that's the area aside from pappenhausen where no one's really stood up so i get that there's a lot of conjecture there where some people are going you know they're fine to not have any fullbacks um they're fine to have only one and they're just going to stash Nico Hines there for the time being. Like, that's all fine. I just think, you know, sooner rather than later, we're going to see the return of the fullback. Uh, that's my gut feeling because I just think, you know, even if we are going at a slow pace, like 2020 showed that fullbacks could still be absolutely vital and, you know, really, really uh, crucial to the supercoach scoring system. So I just kind of think that sooner rather than later, we're going to see a return of these fullbacks and you might want to have one, basically. Now, having said that, like I said, I don't think there's any critical trade-ins this week, aside from, you know, the usual suspects that if you don't have them, I'd be still trying to find a way to get them, and I rattled off a heap of the names there as well. So, yeah, I kind of feel like that's probably, if you've got all those guys ready, just save trades. That's always a good thing, and I think they'll come in really handy um, when you kind of need to cover laid outs and stuff like that over the origin period and also, you know, in the run home too. Next question comes from Charch at FPL underscore Charch. How do you feel about Sienna Katoa as a trading option? There's been some attention given to Mulatalo, but Katoa has performed well in the past and is the one reasonably priced option left in that Sharks back line. Honestly, I'm a, a big Katoa fan. Like I still think he's one of the best finishers in the NRL, so I love watching him when he gets the opportunity to score. A few years ago, I was big on him as a bit of a mid-ranger, and he you know performed well. He didn't smash it out of the park, but... You know, he, I think he turned out a 57 average or something for the year, which you could have gotten on him uh, for like a $380,000 price at the time. So, you know, it wasn't a bad call in the end. Now, I've, I have gave him a shout-out earlier in the season. A lot of the champs mentioned I mentioned him uh, around about round two or three, and he ended up going like 80, 78, 71, 98, which was great. And then he missed a game, and then he came back and scored 18. Uh, which was gross, especially because that was a game where Talakai scored 165. So I guess you can work it out. They went left all day long and they didn't do anything on the right. So I think that's the problem for Katoa now. There's a genuine threat on both uh, both both sides. I mean, Talakai Mulatalo or Ramian Katoa, uh, which side do they pick? I mean, Nico Hines is going left and right. It They just seem to rotate between the matchups. So targeting whoever seems to be the weak link 
And I guess at the same time, they are struggling a little bit without Kennedy and they moved Nico and yeah, they just looked really rudderless last week and, and just, it was not a great game from the Sharks. So I expect them to bounce back. I definitely can see the merit in it as a punt. I just, uh, I mean, you know, do you have to go now? Uh, I think he's, his break even's only 48 or thereabouts. So not, not like super, uh, super low. So he's probably not going to go anywhere too far price wise. I think ideally sit tight, wait for him to, you know, be a round 14 option maybe once you cash out when he's around 13. Uh, cows that have played that week, you know, if your coolers or your two pilotos or those types of guys where once they've done their job for you in round 13, move them on for some of these pods that cover around 17. I do like a tour. In fact, I'd want at least one outside back from the Sharks outside of Talakai because the, the Sharks have a really nice run home. So, yeah, I definitely don't mind the shout there. Just keep in mind it'll be frustrating because there'll be certain matchups where the Sharks will just hammer the left side nonstop and Katoa can drop a sub-20 score as a result. So, yeah. All right, next question comes from Multiple Scoregasm that Enero Corrupted asks, Mitch Moses, seeing his draw for the remainder of the year looks very good. Is he a better choice than Adam Reynolds? Well, I mean, like I said, A-Ray's out, so definitely better choice than Adam Reynolds this week. And... Uh, I can see here you posted a, co- uh, a picture of your team. So you've got Dylan Brown as well, as well as Mitch Moses. And then they, they obviously are your backups to Nathan Cleary and Cam Munster. So that's a fantastic halves uh, set up there. I can't ask for much better. Honestly, I don't mind Mitch Moses as a second option. He's very frustrating. Uh, I know that every time I've had him in my team, I get frustrated. I know a lot of people you know, who, who took the punt on him early this year copped an eight from him a couple of weeks ago, which, yeah, that's not ideal. But he's a, a massive downhill skier, loves to beat up on some you know, struggling teams. The Seagulls are certainly one of them. The Raiders, also another. Then the problem is he doesn't come around 13. But then he comes back to the Bulldogs, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, and then West Tigers in the round 17 bye. And you're right, you know, Warriors, Broncos. I mean, jury's out on whether they're a good or bad matchup at the moment. Right now they're a bad one because they're defending really well. Then the Panthers, Seagulls, which, you know, round 21 Seagulls often can look very different to an early season Seagull, so I, I wonder which team shows up there. Then Rabbitohs, Bulldogs, Broncos, and the Storm last two rounds. So again, if the Broncos are somewhat legit, then that will not be a good end of the season as well. So look, I, I honestly don't mind. I really think he's probably more of a round 14 option, like I said yeah, my, my focus is very much around 13, and I think if you want to carry enough of your origin guns and you still want to put up, you know, 14, 15, round 13 options, then I'd be holding off and, you know, just trying to get these guys later uh, where you can hold them for the rest of the season. So, like I said, I mean, in summary, I, I don't mind Mo- Moses. He's definitely a good option. Uh, he's got some... He's going to give you some decent scores when he's got the good matchups, but he can be frustrating, and just be aware of that. Like he can just suddenly not show up when he feels like it. All right. Um, Bing at Bing Numbers says, Hi, Wolf. Is Wade Graham and that butcher worth the trade-in? Cheers. Uh, look, Wade Graham, I just couldn't go there. He's too many, too many injuries, too many risks of um, not performing. Not really passing the eye test either. I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I guess you know he hasn't played very much footy, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to adjust and get the timing back in, in games. But like I said, he doesn't look really great. And again, doesn't help with round 13. So definitely Nat Butcher I'd be much more uh, on board with, especially with Satili Tupanua apparently ruled out this week. Uh, so if Butcher plays on the edge, like I expect him to play 80 or thereabouts, 
which is fine. Um, my concern there, if he is on the edge, so his work rate's obviously less than when he's playing lock, and the attacking stats uh, are going to be hard to come by, given you know that is a really tough run coming up for the Roosters. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, so I'm not really expecting much attack from the Roosters. And look, he'll, he could luck into a try, and, and um, the Roosters will score points at some point, but you, you don't expect them to be for the wingers and stuff like that. So... Yeah, look, I totally get it. Uh, Nat Butcher, the appeal's there. He's cheap. You just will have to trade him out at some point. And one thing I will flag is that, you know, he, he's a solid player. He is, you know, definitely a, a first grader. But is he a first grade starter? I don't know. Like, he, he's never really been able to maintain it. And he's always just there for injuries, basically. My issue is actually who's behind him. There's been a lot of hype about his little brother, Egan. And, you know, the eye test shows that he's, not only is more super coach friendly than that, but he is potentially a better player. Like obviously, that's very experienced, but I, I definitely have some concerns there. If Egan, because he's been injured, so if he's been able to string, if he's going to be able to string some games together, I would not be surprised to see Egan actually take a bigger and bigger role. And eventually, you know, if if there's still a starting spot on offer, like I wouldn't be shocked if Egan ends up taking that from him, um, because the hype about Egan is that it's, it's legit. He's really good from what everyone says. And in the little glimpses we've seen of him in the first grade, he looks right at home. So I'm really ex- excited to see him continue to develop. Bloody Roosters got another good junior there. <laughs> All right. Uh, the NRL Supercoach Messiah at NRL underscore SC underscore Messiah. Are you serious about Supercoach if you didn't trade an A-Ray Burton or Bunt this week? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you'd be serious to do, not trade an A-Ray, given he's sick. And Burton, I mean, coming off a of flu, I'm not sure I'd want to get him either. And Bunt, I mean... He doesn't help you around four, uh, round 13. So, yeah, I guess I think um, you can be very serious about Supercoach if you don't trade in any of those three guys. Will Blunt uh, at Will Blunt AU asks, is Drinkwater a sell even if you got him last week or do you hold until round 13 and lose some cash? I mean, that's literally what we were saying on this podcast. Hey, We just said don't get him if you're not going to be willing to ride it out. Even if you got him last week, I just think cop it. You know, you paid up for him, you hoped for the big score, didn't quite come uh, because Peyton or maybe because there was a bit of an injury or whatever, I don't know. But either way, I just think because of, you know, you took the risk, it didn't pay off, I think you've got to hold him, ride the cash, uh, drop out, and then I think stick with him. Like, if he's going to keep playing 80 minutes or, or, I mean, that's sorry, stick with him if he's continuing to play 80 minutes and... I think, you know, whether you sit him for the time being and then, you know, from rounds 14, 15, 16, they're pretty friendly matchups. So I stand by what I said in the podcast. Like, Drinkwater could end up being a keeper for the season as long as he starts getting 80 minutes and the Cowboys are actually a legitimate team and they can keep up the form they've had for most of the season because their draw, I don't know what happened with NRL scheduling. They, they've just had a cruisy run all year long and they, they've got a couple of half hard matchups now but then not very many hard ones the rest of the season so it helps when they're actually if they are a good team and they've shown they're, to be a pretty good team so far this year so I wouldn't write off the fact that Drinky could be a, a keeper and if so I'm happy to just hold him honestly I get people do want to trade him out and you know the next question from Jared Jenkins at Jared underscore Jenkins zero who's a good trade for drink water can get all the way up to front row forward with Jules so this is probably a question on, you know, have you saved trades? If you haven't, then I would probably hold. If you have, you got, you know, two or three trades to spare, then I don't hate the idea of going drinky out for like an Isaiah Papali'i at, you know, at the current price. If he's your easiest way to get there, or even if you want to take the punt on, 
you know, a Madison or something like that. Like drinking to Maddo is almost a straight swap. So that's amazing. So yeah, I think that's probably what I'd look at there uh, through Jules. And then you could always bring him back in in round 13, like I said. Like one thing I will say is that I don't think it's always two trades. For example, let's say you've got Drinky and you want to get Maddo and you've got someone like, uh, let's say a Blake Tuff perhaps. So you've still got a little bit of cash to make. The matchup's not the worst either. You know, on, on paper, you'd probably prefer to have Maddo and Drinky, but it may make sense to have, you know, Maddo and Tuff for the next week or two and then Tuff becomes Drinky again at the cost of one extra trade there. Does that make sense? It's only really one extra trade, even though you've gone drinky to Matto, Taft to drinky. The alternative for you is just to say, well, I'm going to hang on to drinky, get a lower score, not be able to get Matto straight in, wait for Taft to make make up his cash, and then you go Taft to Matto later. Like, that's the alternative, and you're still, you know, you're still only using one trade, but obviously you miss out on points. So there is a world where maybe the cash lines up better, it may be worth that one extra trade to make that same little kind of shuffle, if that makes sense. I hope it makes sense because it makes sense in my head and, it, and the mass checks out for me as well. One thing I just want to mention, I actually really like Brian Toto as a potential purchase this week. And the reason for that is, is you know, his break-even is not too crazy. It's about 73 or thereabouts. I get it because he doesn't help you with any buy coverage at all. But, you know, the way the, the Panthers are traveling, the fact that, his ownership is so low. It's like less than 3% or something like that, which is insane for arguably the best center wing in the game. The winger who has the highest base and base attack, plus he plays for one of the best teams in the NRL, one of the best attacking teams as well. On Nathan Cleary's side, I get he's obviously not gotten any tries since he's been back. And, and look, the numbers say regression is coming and regression can be positive. So if you haven't scored tries, it will eventually come. And I think... Brian Toto is far too good as a winger to not score any tries soon. The benefit for this year is that the Panthers play on the Sunday after every single, uh, you know, round 14 and round 18, whereas last year I think one of the games was on the Friday and that's why he didn't back up. So I kind of feel with Brian already missing some of the games this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up actually playing through and not really having any rests. Like, of, of course, if the Panthers are flying, they may still give him one anyway, but... You know, just having potentially the best center wing in the game at such low ownership, there's a, there's a massive pot appeal for me there. I know it seems weird, but uh, yeah, I just kind of just look. I was just looking through, and I'm I'm really tempted to pull the trigger myself, even though I might not. But yeah, that there's you know, if you don't want to go for forward, you want someone else. Uh, you know, three percent ownership, Brian Toto, six twenty thousand. He's cheaper than Madison. Uh, yeah, there's some there's definitely some appeal there for me. I'm just going to finish today with a question from Reese again from the Champs Discord asking about the best VC and C options this week. And, and I think Reese's point being that there's no out-and-out gun options this week and there's plenty of various re- really good options. And I think that's what Timmy was referring to on the earlier episode where there's a lot of options and I think that'll be really interesting. One thing to keep an eye out for is there's a bit of rain about, unfortunately, in Sydney, which may temper some of those scores. I think from what I understand, the dry games are the ones in Newcastle, in Townsville. Uh, there's some rain even over uh, over in Dubbo for the uh, Rabbitohs and Raiders game. So there's a question mark over there. And even some rain in the Gold Coast. So there's quite a few where, like, you know, obviously Nico Hines, last game of the round, playing against the Titans, he would have been a great option. But there's going to be a bit of rain there. Of course, that might not matter because, again, he scored 120-plus in the monsoon against the Dragons. 
But yeah, provided it's not too wet, then honestly, I think uh, Friday night, eels and them seagulls, I think look, Isaiah Papali is on fire. I couldn't fault anyone wanting to slap the VC on him. And look, Tommy Toba, I'm going to say it, like he is still a VC option. Like if you've got him, you've got to back him for any, he can, he can bust out a big score any, against anyone. And so, yeah, he's definitely an option there. Uh, and then in terms of captain options, I mean, you could still, depending on who you've got, like you could still put a VC on someone like a Munster or a Harry Grant on the Saturday night, uh, provided you got the right nuffs. But honestly, both of them could be good captain options, provided they're healthy. There is some question marks about Jerome Hughes. Uh, and also, I think Munster missed a, a training session this week, apparently, due to illness. I'm not sure, but that's the rumour. So uh, I think it's worth checking on that. But both of them are great options this week. They're going to be wanting a big, big bounce back after last week. And, you know, the Storm will step up. Nathan Cleary is a safe captain every time. He has busted out 140 against the Roosters before, so I don't mind him at all. I'd probably steer away from captaining any of the Roosters unless you think they are finally going to click and turn up and actually make a statement by beating the Panthers. Outside of that, I'd probably steer away. If you really want to go balls out, uh, look, Cody Walker against the Raiders. I mean, if he scored 150, I'd be shocked, but at the same time, I'd be like, okay, fair enough, you know. The Raiders haven't been great. Neither have the Rabbitohs, and it's really tough to read their form line. Like, for example, the Raiders, I mean, they've beaten the Sharks twice now, round one and round, obviously, last week. I thought the Raiders played their best game of their season last week. So, you know, if they can carry that forward, then they're going to be very tough for the Rabbitohs to overcome. The Rabbitohs were great in the first half, but, gosh, their second half was just rubbish. And the Warriors had no business being as close as they were in the end. So... I have to say, I actually think the Raiders, if they can turn up like they did last week, they're going to win. In which case, yeah, probably stay away from Cody Walker. But look, it, it, at the same time, if the Raiders of you know earlier this season show up, then I, I'd be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if the Rabbitohs can somehow put twenty plus on them easily, because they still have a lot of talented attacking players in their team, so they can turn it on when they want to. It's just a question of when that happens, and it's very inconsistent right now. Very hard to read their form line. So I think those are probably the key names in terms of captains and vice-captains. At this stage, I'm going pretty simple. Vice-captain Turbo and captain, it's a combination of Grant, Munster, or Nico Hines. I'll have to see. Hopefully I can captain Jack Howard as enough (laughs) after a big score from Turbo, but we'll see. In terms of trades, I actually don't think I'm going to trade this week. I might actually have a trade-free week. Although, I've, I'll admit, I've been very tempted to go Teddy Tomato, but I do know that if I do that, it will throw my round 13 buy planning out of whack. So I'm trying to resist and stick to the plan, trust the process. <laughs> so yeah, most likely no trades or maybe one trade if I, you know, can't resist, but we'll see. Anyway, good luck everyone. We'll catch you again soon.